right, good morning everyone. Welcome to Trinity. We are glad that you're here. As you walk in, be sure that you have a bulletin, which we'll use throughout the service. My name is Pastor Blake. I'm one of the pastors here. And if this is your first Sunday with us, we are so glad that you're here. Inside your bulletin, you'll find a green Trinity Connect card. If you would take that and fill it out, whether you're a member or this is your first time, that'll help us know how to better pray for you and also allow you to get connected if you'd like to do that. You can drop those in the offering plates as they come around after the sermon. Resting in the finished work of Jesus is one of the hardest disciplines for humankind. And yet the Lord Christ himself invites us to rest in him in worship, to slow down, to recognize that your Father in heaven is not angry at you, but he covers you with his grace and he sings over you with his love. He calls you into joyful repentance and submission. And he reminds you the best news of all in all the world. If you would, would you calm your heart just for a moment? Give yourself a few minutes just to relax, settle in. Use the quote on the board or it's in your bulletin on page three. And let's prepare our hearts for worship together, shall we? Again, welcome to Trinity. We are so glad that you're here. If you're willing and able, let's stand together for this morning's call to worship that comes to us from Psalm 84. The leaders will say what's written in normal print, and we as a congregation will say together what is written in bold. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts! My soul longs, yet faints with the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh sing for joy to the living God. Even the sparrow finds a home and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young at your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise. Let's sing together.
Father, you are our King. You are majesty. You are beauty. You are glory. Triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Father, we pray that you would help us to adore and magnify and glorify your name in all that we say, think, and do. And we, Lord Christ, as your people, need the reminder and the assurance of your covenantal love toward us by the power of the Holy Spirit. So, Father, would you help us to lean into worship today? Would you help break us out of thinking that we're just coming again to do the motions? Lord, help us to recognize that worship is never just going through the motions. It is sitting before the triune God and worshiping Him in spirit and truth. And so, would you help us to do that, we pray. And all of God's people said together, Amen. You may be seated, please. We often at Trinity confess our faith in various ways. Sometimes we'll use old confessions like the Heidelberg Catechism written in the 16th century or the Westminster Confession or the Apostles' Creed written in the 4th century. Today we're going to confess our faith with something even older than that, Holy Scripture itself. And so from Ephesians 2, let's confess our faith together. Christian, what do you believe? I believe that God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us. And under the authority of God's word, let's give our attention now to its reading. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning, the first day. This is the word of the Lord.
If then you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Amen? Amen. You may be seated. Because we're hidden in Christ, we can go before our Father, covered by the blood of His Son, of Jesus. And so let's pray together as a congregation. Father, we thank you that you look at us and you do not see us in our sin, but you see us covered in the spotless righteousness of your Son. And so, Father, thank you that we need no mediator on earth to come before you, but we have one in the heavens at your right hand, the Lord Jesus Christ, who took on flesh and became everything that Adam could not be, everything that we are not, lived perfectly according to your law, died as a substitute, as our representative, fully divine, infinitely glorious, and able to pay our eternal debt. Father, thank you that you hear the cries of my voice. Thank you, Father, that you do not see me in my sin. But in love, Lord Christ, you call me to grow more and more in your likeness through repentance. Father, would you cause each of us by the power of the Holy Spirit to continue to grow more and more like you through repentance. That you would help us to see ourselves as you now see us. Those who have acceptance before you. That you would take the darkness of the depression that many of us experience and that you would allow us to bring that too to the cross. That you would allow the brokenness of our life by experiencing the pain of Christmas, the first Christmas without a dear loved one. And that you would allow us to bring that brokenness to the cross. And that you would meet us there. Father, I pray for Bill Ford and for Jim Wingo who watch on Facebook every week because they can't make it to worship. I pray that you will heal our brothers. Thank you that they're with us through the use of technology. And I pray, Lord, that you will draw near to them. Father, I pray for those who couldn't make it to church this morning for whatever providence hindered them. I pray, Lord, that you would draw near to them and that you would minister to them. You would remind them that we miss them. And there is power and value and physical representation in worship. Thank you for your presence with us. Thank you for those who are able to be here this morning. And I pray, Father, that they will walk away changed. That your word will pierce their heart in a way that seems oddly new for them. Refreshing. Lord, for our church, we pray for wisdom as we begin to make plans with the land that you've allowed us to purchase. We pray for wisdom as a session as we continue to shepherd people through difficult circumstances, that you would enlarge the officers of our church in number, that you would call men to serve as deacons, and you would call men and women to come alongside the deacons as deacon assistants, and that you would draw more men to be members of our session in the days and months ahead. Father, would you do that? 
Would you begin to convict those who have leadership qualities and shepherding gifts to begin to pray about their role and involvement in our church? And Lord, I pray this morning um, for our elders' wives. I pray, Father, that you would bless them. I pray that you protect the marriages of our elders. I pray for the children of our elders, that you would help them to long for the things of God and to see that their father is the same person at church as he is at home. But I pray that you would continue to be with those who are recovering from surgery and illnesses. I pray, Father, that you would be with those who are continuing to look for employment. And I thank you, Father, that you care about all these little things. Nothing is too small to bring to you in prayer. Father, for those who are relatively new to Trinity, I pray that you would help them in the coming weeks to feel more and more at home here, that they would experience the power of a community that knows that they're broken and that they don't have it all together, and nor is that the point. The point is to make much of Jesus, not ourself. And so, Lord, help us to do that, we pray. Call us into confession. Call us into worship. Call us into repentance. And call us into the joy of your presence. In Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, amen. Amen. On page 9, you'll see that our confession of sin, our confession of sin comes from Psalm 103. So let us confess our sins to God our Father. Thou hast imputed my sin to my substitute and has imputed his righteousness to my soul, clothing me with the bridegroom's robe, decking me with jewels of holiness. But in my Christian walk, I am still in rags. My best prayers are stained with sin. My penitential tears are so much impurity. My confessions of wrong are so many aggravations of sin. My receiving the Spirit is tinctured with selfishness. I need to repent of my repentance. I need my tears to be washed. I have no robe to bring to cover my sins, no loom to weave my own righteousness. I am always standing clothed in filthy garments, and by grace am always receiving change of raiment. For thou dost always justify the ungodly. Grant me never to lose sight of the exceeding sinfulness of sin, the exceeding righteousness of salvation, the exceeding glory of Christ, the exceeding beauty of holiness, the exceeding wonder of grace. Please pause for a moment of silent confession. Brothers and sisters, lift your eyes and hear these words from Isaiah 53, from your faithful Father. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. Know that you are forgiven, and be at peace. Thanks be to God. Morning. My name is Scott Mitchell. I'm the pastor of Community Formation here at Trinity. 
And I wanted to let you know something that we have coming up very soon. You see in a bulletin at the top of page 10, we're talking about the Imago Dei, that is in the Image of God Parenting Conference. On February 1st through the 2nd, we have the privilege of welcoming back Dr. John Cox um, to lead us in this parenting conference. Dr. Cox came and led us in a marriage conference in October. And I'm just curious, how many of you were in attendance at that marriage conference in October? So a lot. So all of your marriages are perfect now, right? No. Okay, how many of you who went really enjoyed the, parenting, or the marriage conference in October? Okay, just about, you can't see it, but I can. It's about every same hand. So Dr. Cox is coming back again, and the conference is going to be at the Burnson Center, which is a building owned by First Presbyterian in Tulsa. It's right across the street from there. It's a big, beautiful, uh, there's a big, beautiful room that we're going to be in. This time, unlike the marriage conference, we're not giving hotels we're not taking care of child care, but it's $20 per person or $40 per couple for all Trinity folks who want to go. And I would highly encourage you to do so. And if child care or money is going to be a factor to keep you from going, please talk to me. My email is on the back of the bulletin. Give me a call. Shoot me an email. We do not want money or child care to be a reason that you're not able to go. So for those of you who have been to Trinity in the past, and we have your addresses, you should be receiving one of these cards this coming week that tells you everything you need to do to register. And really it is just going to trinityawasso.com parenting. And if you want, there's a stack of these cards on that green table over there if you'd like to pick up one on your way out the door. So I would highly encourage you to do that. Now, let's greet each other with peace. Now let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. The peace of the Lord be with you always, and also with you. Take a moment to stand and greet one another.
You may be seated. If you have a Bible, please turn with me to John chapter 1. We're beginning a series in the book of John, and as you're turning there, I want to remind you or show you, for those of you who haven't yet seen it, that our bulletin is a little thicker, four pages thicker, and the reason is, I was like, oh my gosh, it was already thick enough. But the reason is, is because on page 17 and 18, we have given you an order of worship for the home. It's a way for you to help lead your family or lead with your roommates or for your own personal quiet times with the Lord, questions on the sermon, and also a little short way to kind of guide a group through worship together and reflecting on His Word. So those of you who are note takers and the white space in the sermon's not enough for you, you feel free to just go at it in those questions that are in the back. We're going to dive into the book of John this winter and spring, friends. And for some of you, this is like going to be wonderful. You love the book of John. And I'm going to try to go through the book of John as thoroughly as I can, which means it's going to be slow. And for some of you, you're like, finally, he's going to preach expositionally. I think I've always preached that way, but I'm just going to go a lot slower. And so we're going to take the first five verses of the book of John, and we're going to spend at least three weeks on those first five verses. So would you stand with me as we read from John chapter 1, beginning one, uh, verse 1 down through verse 5. This is the very word of God, and it's given to you in love. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Please. Now, the Gospel of John has been called a pool in which a child can wade and an elephant can swim. It is both simple and very profound. It's often the first book that people read when they find a Bible for the first time. It clarifies some things that Matthew, Mark, and Luke leave as mysteries. For example... Matthew presents Jesus as the king, but he does not explain why Jesus has the authority to be the king. John does. Mark presents Jesus as the servant to men, but he does not explore his depth of communion with God. John does. Luke presents Jesus as the perfect man, but he does not explain his uniqueness among humankind. John does. So for all here who don't yet believe, John explores some of the deepest mysteries of the Christian faith. And for those of you here who do believe, John gives you assurance that we're not in for another spin job or for some comic tragedy when we trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, our Lord. John's gospel is unique among 
the four Gospels. The Gospels aim, John's aim, is not to give us what Jesus did so much as what he meant. In other words, John is not trying to tell us what Jesus said as much as he's trying to explain to us why. 90% of the material in John's gospel is unique, which is why Matthew, Mark, and Luke are often called the synoptics because they cover much of the same ground, albeit from different vantage points and written to different audiences. John's gospel is largely unique. So who is John? Quite simply, John was Jesus' best friend. If you name the six, maybe the four most influential uh, writers in history, you might think of Buddha, or you might think of Muhammad, you might think of, of Karl Marx, maybe, of Jesus. Three of those four people wrote things down. Jesus never wrote anything directly. And so, if we are going to find out what Jesus meant by what he said, you would want to go to perhaps the closest person in his life. And that would be the Apostle John, the beloved Apostle. John probably wrote this book around 98 AD after he returned from the Isle of Patmos to the town of Ephesus. John lived the longest of all the Apostles. And he probably wrote this book to the very end of his life. And in the early church, personified the Apostle John as an eagle. You often see this in stained glass. And he was personified as an eagle because an eagle is the only bird that can fly directly into the sun. John is the most theological and philosophical of the Gospels. Daryl Bach a seminary professor says that the synoptic gospels write of Jesus' life from the earth up, but John's gospel writes of Jesus' life from heaven down. And now when we come to the book of John, the first 18 verses of the book are called the prologue. The prologue is like someone in a dark alley who is to come up to you and was to hand you a handbag. And inside that bag was keys. And you say to them, what is this? And they look at you and they say, it's a way out. It's a way to open all the doors you've ever wanted to open. And in these first 18 verses, you see this handbag full of keys. And the rest of the book of John is exploring what those keys open doors into. And we began by looking at the first five verses. The whole of the book of John is a way out, as it were. It's a way to explore the deepest questions of our faith. And all the major themes are crammed into these first 18 verses. And so we're going to take time to pull out the keys one by one and see what's in this mysterious handbag 